before the games, I'll know my matchup and I'll ask Cole, Cole, what are the analytics on this person? Uh, you know, when he drives right, what's the percentage of times that he pulls up versus going all the way to the basket? If he drives left, what are the percentages of him pulling up versus going to the basket? And what are the percentages of him going right versus left? And what is his percentage on his jump shots after he dribbles? What is his percentage on his jump shots without a dribble, with one dribble? That's, that's, that's just like a minute scale of what I do when I'm playing defense. And it might sound crazy to you, but that's everything that goes in my mind when I'm guarding him. I'm just not, you know, sliding my feet left and right. I'm actually kind of trying to manipulate the game defensively as well. That was Josh Okogie, and this is Wolves Plus. What a feed, Ricky to Carl Anthony Towns for the dunk. Russell shows off the handle and the shot. Over making things happen. Oh, yes he is! Oh, Josh Okogie! May the force be with you! Coast to coast for Obi-Wan Okogie. J.O., I never know when I see you what what kind of outfit you're going to be wearing. You're just a T-shirt today, but I feel like I've seen you lately a lot in a, like a bucket hat. Is that your, your look or something you're trying out? What's with the bucket hats? Uh, bucket hats, bucket hats. Um, nah, I just, to be honest, I'm a simple guy when it comes to um, like outfits and stuff. But then it's like... I'm, I'm a simple guy, but then I'm then I'm not a simple guy. Like I'm zero or a hundred. You know what I'm saying? I'm a either have something that's like playing black and white, some chill stuff, or something that's gonna be like out the regular. So I'll put the bucket hat in the list of the in in the hundred list. Um, if I wake up feeling really good, I'm gonna be like, you know what? Let me put something on today that that I usually don't put on. Then I'm gonna go I'm gonna go 100 today. You know, if I'm if I'm Feeling not so good, I'm gonna I'm, I'm go zero. But sometimes you can change your mood based on what you wear. Am I right? That is true. That is true. But I, I feel like though, I have to. If I'm feeling, if I'm feeling really good, I gotta put that 100 to make me feel even better. You know what I'm saying? But if I put, if I, if I'm not in the best mood, I need to, I need to do something that's gonna, you know, just, just keep me at a level playing field for the rest of the day. So I can't say, 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 you know, I'm feeling not the best. And then I put on a bucket hat with some zebra, zebra stripe jeans and it, the outfit makes me feel bad. Then I, it's like a double negative. So this is, yeah, you know what I'm saying? I'm just going to keep it at zero. Why would zebra stripe jeans make you feel bad? I don't know. I don't know. It, I just feel like it just, it's, it's a lot of things that could go wrong with that kind of outfit right there. Yeah, correct. 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 You're a shoe guy, though. I want to say, like, you have, I've heard 300 pairs of shoes. Is that ballpark? Um, I think I got over 300 pairs of shoes. Um, but, yeah, that's, that's my big thing. Um, I always wanted sneakers when I was a little kid. So when I got to the NBA, my first big thing was just sneakers, sneakers, sneakers. Um, when I was a rookie, I didn't even, like, any every shoe and any shoe that dropped, I just, just go get it just because I could. I kind of slowed down from doing that now, but I only re really get sneakers that I really, really want. So I have a whole bunch of sneakers now that I haven't worn, a whole bunch of sneakers that I will probably will, will never wear. Uh, I just try to give some away, but it's just something I don't even like. I don't even know why I got some, but um, 
But yeah, I love sneakers. Do you have a special way of displaying them or is it like in a closet door closed, everything in boxes? No, so I actually, uh, actually have a shoe room. Uh, it's like a den in my apartment that I turn into a shoe room. So it has like different rows and I like to organize them between like kind of shoes and just different, it's, it's all organized. And it, the worst part is when I get a new shoe and I got to rearrange every other shoe to make that one shoe fit back in the, in the right place. So yeah, that's no fun. And are you exclusive to a brand? Like is everything Nike or are you anything and everything? Um, for the most part, everything is Nike, but I do do other stuff like Converse. So I'll go like designer sneakers like a Versace or Balenciaga, or um, I do have some Burberry shoes. There's different stuff, so. Okay. Now you're talking. Now you're talking. Yeah. Do you give any of your sneakers names? Do you have conversations when you open this door? Are you like, who's the lucky guy today? Yeah, uh, I don't give them names. I, uh, I don't talk to them either, but when I do try to get an outfit, I'll try to start with the shoes. Uh, I think the shoes give me the energy I need for the day. So I'll, I'll go in the room and I'll just do a couple 360s. I'm like, which shoe do I want to wear today? Then I'll pick out the shoe, then I'll pick out the outfit after that. So you work from the feet up. Exactly. So I feel like, you know, when you look at somebody, like the outfit may be nice, but the first thing you look at when you look at somebody is the shoes. Like for, for me, I can't speak for everybody. So when I see somebody, I'm looking at the shoes. You know, the shoes can be superb and the outfit can be terrible, but I'm like, you know what? I can dap you up. Nowadays, I can give you an elbow or a yeah. fist bump because you, you got, got the, the right shoes, shoes on. You can have the best outfit and then the shoes, you know what I'm saying? The shoes don't do you justice and it's like, I don't even want to talk to you, so. <laughs> That's so weird how some people are. I am not a shoe person at all and I'll cycle through the same like two or three pairs of black boots all winter and it does it just doesn't do it for me but then there's some people for whatever reason you just you're a shoe guy yeah I, I don't to be honest I don't know what it is either like I know certain people too who don't who like like you said like cycle through the same shoes which is not a bad thing uh you know shoes are shoes and if it depends how you make them look good if I would say I'd rather be that one person who can make five shoes look really, really good and have a million shoes and don't really look good at the same time. So it's all about how you rock it and how you style it. But like, I just, okay. I don't know. Like you said, I just love shoes. Like I literally got to tell myself like, no more, you can't buy no more shoes. You got to cut it off at some point. You have enough shoes, Josh. That's what the universe is telling you. You have enough shoes. I have seen some pictures of you over the summer in Minnesota, <laughs> in Minnesota on a boat several times, several different photos. You're on a boat and every time you're wearing sneakers and socks. Do you not own flip flops? Oh, uh, I do own flip flops. Um, and it's crazy because like, I feel like everything you do, you can have a fashion statement. You know, it don't even have to be, it doesn't even have to be crazy. It doesn't have to be, it doesn't have to be too crazy, but you have to make a statement everywhere you go, just for me. Cause you know, first impressions are, every, are everything. And sometimes, you know, first impression might not even be you meeting somebody. You know, you might not even get a chance to meet somebody, but somebody may see you from afar or somebody may see you just talking to somebody, but they are gonna see what you got on. So I'm like, you know, we going on a boat, 
let me wear something nice. But I, you know, I, I'm not used to going on boats, so I didn't know, I didn't know until I posted my first picture. Someone says you're not supposed to have socks, and you're supposed to have on sandals. I'm like, what? I'm like, that don't even make any sense. Like, I'm on a boat. I'm not in the water. You know what I'm saying? And if I do get in the water, I'm not getting in the water with my flip flops. I'm gonna have to take them off anyway. So I might as well have an outfit when I'm on the boat. So I mean, that's just what I did, and it's gonna be my new thing. So. Okay, now I see some of the logic, but I'm glad I'm not the only one who noticed because every time I'd see a picture, I'd be like, dang, J.F.'s got socks and shoes on again. Maybe that's just a Minnesotan thing. We just don't don't wear socks and shoes typically on a boat. But you do you. No, nah, I mean, I, it's definitely a universal thing. I got a lot of, a lot of, a lot of pushback for that, but, you know, it's cool. I'm going to start <laughs> something new. So if you start seeing people with outfits on boats, you can just thank me. Okay. <laughs> You're starting something. You're starting something. Uh, Josh, you were born in Lagos, Nigeria, in Africa, right on the Atlantic Ocean, which is a huge city, like 20 million people in the, the greater Lagos area, and not a real uh, safe city right now either. And I know you moved when you were three years old. You don't have a lot of memories or things like that, but have you been back? Have you visited Lagos and Nigeria? Yeah, in 2011, when I was in eighth grade, um, for my winter kind of vacation, winter break, uh, the whole family went back to Nigeria for about three weeks. And um, during that time, I was able to like meet my extended family that I always talked to on the phone and seeing pictures that I really couldn't really put names and faces to like, like words and stuff. So and voices. So when I went there, I got to meet my aunts and uncles and everything. And I seen people. And that's when I really started you know, creating a memory. And that's how I really started knowing who's who. Um, and that was, it was really fun. And uh, I was young at the time, so I was soaking up everything and just being there. And um, I went back in 2000, I was about to say last year, <laughs> but I went back in 2019 uh, when I was playing with the Nigerian national team. We went to Nigeria for about eight days. And I went, um, it was different. It's funny, it's different going there as an adult than going there as a, I don't even know how, I think I was like 12 or 13. 13, I was 13, yeah, it was different going there as an adult than versus like a 13 year old. And you see things differently. And um, I felt like when I was there, young, uh, when I was younger, I was just there. I really didn't really, you know, grasp everything. Cause I didn't, as, as an adult, you see the world a little differently. So it was, I would say I had more fun my, um, the time I went back two years ago, cause I had a different kind of appreciation for, for things. Mm -hmm. And when your family moved, when you were three, and you, why At Atlanta? Was there a connection to that city for your parents? Um, there are different like hubs that a lot of Nigerians go to when they come to the states. Like there's a lot of Nigerians go to Houston, Atlanta, uh, New York. Why? Because you know when you're going to a um, a new country, you want to go somewhere where there's a lot of people that you may know. And I feel like my parents yeah. knew a lot of people in Atlanta at the time, so that's just where we moved. Okay, so how do you sort of identify with, I mean, this is your birthplace in Nigeria. This is your, your home, your roots, and then you were raised in Atlanta and in the United States. And not that you can't be part of two different places, you certainly are. How do you sort of balance like who you are and your heritage and all of that? Uh, it was easy. It was kind of easy. Um, only time I really got time to, I would say, balance uh, the American side of things was when I was in school. That was literally like the only time. 
um, everything else was kind of my Nigerian background in terms of me just coming home, me going to church, any place I go to with fr like family and friends, it, they were all predominantly like Nigerians there. So anything outside of school, you know, it was kind of like my Nigerian side. And then everything during school was kind of like my American side. I even struggled at first because I had a really thick, thick accent come to the States. I struggled like my, my first um, like kindergarten and um, first grade and kind of stuff like that. I remember, so in like Nigeria, uh, when we were just speaking English, like when we want to tell somebody to move, we tell them shift. Like say like there's a chair here and you're coming over here and you want to tell me to move over there. You don't say scoot over. You be like, yo, shift, shift, shift. So I, my sister, she was in fifth grade when I was in kindergarten. So we rode the same bus. So I get on a bus and I'm telling somebody to scoot over, but I didn't know what scoot over meant. So I was telling him like shift. shift. I'm like, yo, shift, shift, shift. That could come off as rude, you know what I'm saying? So like everybody was looking at me like, what are you talking about? My sister had to tell me like, it's not shift. Like they say scoot over. And I'm and me and my sister laugh about this till this day. I, I asked her, I was like, what's scoot over? Like there's just little things that uh, you know, people would say. I just would not understand what people were what people were saying. But you know, I learned quick because, you know, I was about four or five and I really learned and I don't really, I do have an accent. It's crazy because when I'm home, like around with my parents, I can't talk like this. And it's the weirdest thing. Like how I'm talking now, I can't talk like this. And then when I'm, when I'm like out with like friends and stuff, I can't talk the way I talk at home. It's just like, it's like, I don't know if I have an alter ego or whatever, but it's just the weirdest <laughs> thing. How do you talk at home? What does it it's sound like? It's just like an accent, like, uh, Give me something to say. Let's let's have a let's have a conversation. Act like okay. you're my. But you're. But it's in it's in English. Yeah, it's, right? it's, no, it's it's, it's English for sure. Okay. But it's just my accent will come out. Let me see if I can okay. try to force it out. Tell me about tell me about practice today. Um, practice was practice was okay. Like I, I came to the gym. I did I did some training with the training staff. Then I, you know, what I'm saying that's like that's like me trying to force it. You know, okay. what I'm saying? yeah. But it's really thicker when I'm like talking to like my mom or like my dad or like my my brothers is, is cool because they they kind of talk like me and you can actually it's funny because you can see it because i have it's five of us like my oldest brother has the thickest accent then my other older brother he has a thick accent and my sister she's kind of like in the middle i'm like can do both and my little brother is like pure just like straight american like his looks no, sounds really forced if he even tried to do it <laughs> I have seen a picture of you and, and your siblings as adults, and it looks like you're probably wearing some ethic, ethnic clothing and like or, long orange necklaces and kind of a black robe. Yeah. I'm sure that's not the correct term, but I, I saw that picture on your Instagram and I just kind of wondered how that is displayed like in your home, if it's uh, how your Nigerian heritage is displayed like in your parents' home, if it's the way it's decorated or the food that is served, like how is Nigerian heritage alive in your parents' home since that is where they grew up? Yeah, um, I mean, with the clothing, I mean, we've been here for so long that we don't even, like we wear, like like when I go home, I'll wear like regular shorts. Like, like when I go home, I'm probably not even gonna take this off. You know what I'm saying? Like this is this is like the attire when I, right. when I get home, like a t-shirt, some shorts. My mom might have like some sweatpants and a shirt. My dad, the same, like nobody, dresses the way that you would see that picture on Instagram. But um, like when we go out, you know, they may wear, my dad's a pastor. So when he goes to church, he'll probably wear a suit 
but my mom would probably have like some um some of that some of that clothing on but for the most part I won't wear that clothing ever unless it's like a special um a special kind of event going on that's really like predicated on the culture like for instance that picture that you saw we surprised my dad for his 60th birthday party so we had like a whole family attire that's why we all you know were matching or if my brother my brother right. got married uh in 2008 2017 I believe so during 2017 what we did was like he had like a a, a you know a, a normal black and white wedding where it's like suit and tie and everything then we had a traditional wedding where we wore like the traditional attire and stuff like that so it 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 kind of um, varies where we wear that but I do have a lot of a lot of them because my aunt makes those kind of clothing so I have some I might you know I might wear some of the outfit with some nice shoes going into pregame one day who knows <laughs> It always comes back to the shoes. <laughs> there, uh, there is a cause that you're involved in, Ending SARS, which is Special Anti-Robbery Squad. It's essentially a notorious unit of the Nigerian police with a long record of abuse, based on my research. And it's a very serious cause in Nigeria and something you are very serious about. Why is that organization and raising money for the people affected by that, why is that important to you? Uh, it's important to me because, you know, like anything that affects, you know, the Commonwealth and just the well-being of anybody in Nigeria, it affects me because like I still have family there. Um, like when I came to the States, it was just my mom, my dad and my siblings that came here. So all my grand, my grandmas, my aunts, my, um, my cousins, my uncles, everybody that's related to me outside my, you know, mom, dad and siblings are still in Nigeria. So like, I always try to, you know, use my platform to make sure it's as safe as possible over there. I mean, I know I can't do it by myself, but I'm gonna do everything in my power to try to, try to help. That's why it's just so important to me. And it's a really wonderful and significant cause. So um, kudos to you for raising awareness Appreciate to that. that. I do have a basketball question for you. Your defense has been your calling card. Drummond. Tied up by Okogi, who comes up wow. with the basketball. Wanamaker, there's Okogi in that great defense. Diving on the deck, flipping it ahead to Beasley. Okogi, nice anticipation, wow. comes great up with hustle. the steal. Okogi, able to disrupt things, comes up with the basketball, and D'Lo pays him off with the bucket. <laughs> it's something that is so significant, it's noticeable, and there was a quote that you had going into this season that in your third year you had said you were looking to mix the aggressiveness you have on defense, mix it in with film and smarts and brains. And that was your quote. Can you expand on what that means and how you're doing that, film and smarts and brains, making your defense better? Yeah, um, like, I tell people this all the time, like the way to get better on defense is to learn the other team's offense and vice versa, the way to get better on offense is to learn the other team's defense. So yep. um, what I try to do is I try to see, you know, different tendencies of other teams, whether they're philosophies. Uh, then I'll, um, after I know the philosophies, I'll, we have a guy on our, um, on our staff, his name is Cole. Cole handles all the analytics. Before the games, I'll know my matchup and I'll ask Cole, Cole, what are the analytics on this person? Uh, you know, when he drives right, 
what's the percentage of times that he pulls up versus going all the way to the basket? If he drives left, what are the percentages of him pulling up versus going to the basket? And what are the percentages of him going right versus left? And what is his percentage on his jump shots after he dribbles? What is his percentage on his jump shots without a dribble, with one dribble? What is his effectiveness coming off pick and roll, dribble handoffs? What is his effectiveness if I go through a pick and roll versus if I go over? It's just so many things that I'm, I'm asking them to tell me. So when I'm playing somebody, not only am I playing hard, I'm playing hard in the right direction because in the NBA, guys are so good that you can play hard all you want. They're, they're still going to score. Um, we, and we have guys like that, like Cat, um, Malik, and uh, D'Lo. Those guys are really great offensive, offensive players. And guy, um, teams do all they can do to try to stop them. But, you know, they still score. So I, I try to take it a, a, a step ahead and say, okay, I'm going to not only beat you with the physical, but with the mental as well. So now when I'm guarding somebody, I know oh, his coach may not, his coach may want him to, the team to shoot 53s tonight. So I know I got, I got to be aggressive on my closeouts and I may know he's not finishing well at the rim. So I'm going to be extra aggressive on a closeout, force him to the rim and then try to contest his shot. May not block it, but try to make him miss. And uh, there's certain players who I know, okay, if he goes left, he's going to shoot. But if he goes right, he's going to go to the basket. So I'm going to force him right because he's a smaller defender. And then when he goes to the basket, I'm just going to try to contest the, 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 um, the layup versus forcing him left and giving him space to um, shoot a jump shot. So that's just different things. And that's, that's, that's just like a minute scale of what I do when I'm playing defense. And it might sound crazy to you, but that's everything that goes in my mind when I'm guarding him. I'm just not, you know, sliding my feet left and right. I'm actually kind of trying to manipulate the game defensively as well. Well, it doesn't sound crazy, but it sounds like a lot of information. How do you keep it straight from team to team and from player to player? It just comes with playing. Um, it comes with it just comes with uh, just experience and just time on the court. Um, sometimes you'll learn a player like I don't want to use nobody's name, but if it's a player on a team that I oh I know this guy, I know what he's trying to get to. I can skip all the f trying to learn the philosophy stuff because I already know the team's philosophy. I kind of know who this player is. I kind of know what he wanted to get to. All I have to do now is go to Cole. Be like, Cole, let me see his analytics, and I'll just skim through. So I know what to really look for because I really know that player. So I might only look at the analytics for, like, probably one, two, or maybe three different percentages just so I can refresh my brain. But for the most part, I know, you know, who I'm guarding. I already know his analytics. I already know what he's trying to do. So it's just like it's just like learning plays. When you first get on a team, you don't really know the plays, but as you keep doing the plays, all you gotta do is yell the play out, and you know your spots. You know where to get to. Same thing on defense. Yeah, just comes with practice. Okay, you are a, you're a music guy. I've seen a lot of videos of you singing in your car. I know you're happy, cause I can see it. So tell the boys inside your head to believe it. I talked to God about you. Said he sent you an angel. But not only can you sing it, you can play it as well. You play the piano, drums, trumpet, tuba. Are there other instruments you play? Um, not really. The funny thing was when I was younger, uh, my dad, like I told you, my dad's a pastor. And uh, he wanted to like make us the siblings or his children like the choir kind of, you know, so he don't have to, you know, go pay a guy to play the piano. He can have J.O. play yeah. the piano, you know what I'm saying? So 
when I was young, he wanted me to play the piano. So when I got to, when I got to sixth grade, he made me enlist in a music class, whether it was band, chorus, or orchestra. So I went to orchestra, and I wanted to play the viola. But then I was like, I'm too big. I was like, I'm too big to be playing the viola. Like, so I was like, no, nah, I'm, I'm not going to orchestra. I'm going to band. So I went to band. I went from orchestra to band. And for the beginners, you can only pick the trumpet or the two, uh, or the trombone. So I was like, you know, I'm going to pick the okay. trumpet because I feel like the trumpet is just a better instrument. Like, you know. Yeah. So I started playing the trumpet. And then when we went to seventh grade, then that's when you can expand to the clarinet, the oboe, the French horn, the tuba. And the tuba was like the most, <laughs> the most like important part of the band because it's the bass. It gives, it gives the band structure. So, yeah. and we didn't have a lot of tuba players. So my um, band instructor was like, hey Josh, do you want, we really need a tuba guy. Do you want to play the tuba? And I was like, uh, I don't know. And me being the fat guy I am, he was like, if you play the tuba, I'll give you this donut. It was a Krispy Kreme <laughs> donut. And I was like, all right, you got yourself a deal. So I took the donut. <laughs> And that's how I started playing the tuba. But ultimately, my dad wanted me to play the piano. So I did the tuba, but then he got me piano lessons on the side. Um, so I used to do like tuba, piano lessons. Then I had to mix that in with basketball. And then, um, and then he got me drum lessons as well. So that's why I had all those four instruments. So I can kind of do the basses. I'm like a jack of all trades when it comes to them. I'm a master of none of them, but I'm kind of yeah. okay at all of them. Do you currently have these instruments in your house? Uh, right now, I don't have a, a tuba or a trumpet or a, uh, or a drums drum set, but I do have a, a keyboard in my room. Okay. Yeah. But but if I handed you a tuba today, you could. Give I'll, me I'll something. be able to give you give something. Some yeah. Do your cheeks all flare out when you do it? Too? Yeah. When you don't do you play, like a, yeah. When you don't play a lot, your cheeks they get they get really sore. It gets really sore. You're out of tuba shape. I am. I'm out of tuba shape. <laughs> um, I've also seen you with a WWE belt. You've had it on your waist. You've flung it over your shoulders. Where did this come from? What's the significance? It's just this thing we do at practice. Uh, coach calls it the winner board. So after every drill, uh, if, you, if your team wins, you get a tally um, a, on, on the win column. If you lose, you get a tally in the in in um, loss column. And uh, basically every day we'll switch teams, so it's not the same team every day. And uh, at the end of the week or whatever period, coach will look at the winner's board and whoever has the most wins gets the, gets the belt. There's a little pride that goes along 100 with that. 100% pride. I try to win everything that I can. The belt, the games, anything. Yeah, you're competitive. Is it heavy? Is it like a kid's no, plastic it's, no, it's belt definitely, it's that you get at Target? Or? It's, it's definitely heavy. Okay, it's a real deal. Cause we've got three of those in my house, and they weigh about a half a pound each. Yeah, for sure. Like you, yeah. They're not the you real. can't toss them. No, you got to be ready to catch it if you, if you get it. Okay, okay. I want to ask you quickly about the lady in your life. Apparently, her name is Sophia. Yeah. She's about a foot and a half tall. <laughs> your niece. Uh, seems like you are this. This girl is like the queen of your world. You must be the MVP uncle. <laughs> I am. Um, so it's it's actually so funny because when she was born, it was my my rookie year, December twenty third. We had just played OKC. So when we played OKC, uh, uh, I think Tibbs gave us like a couple of days off for Christmas, 
and um, we had to meet back. I think I believe it was in Chicago. So um, after the game, we had just beat OKC too. It was a great win, and I'm on the bus, and then my brother calls like, "Hey, Sophia was just born." So I was like, I was so excited, but they didn't know that I was coming home. So um, so I dressed up as Santa. I went. I flew home the next morning, dressed up as Santa, had gifts wrapped up. And I had my the same Santa outfit I wore this like this past Christmas. <laughs> yes. I, I had a sack on of the presents plane. and I surprised everybody at the hospital. And you know, that's the first time I met Sophia. And it was and she, it was just so beautiful. I've never had obviously she he's my first brother or my first like niece or nephew. So she gets yes. all the love. And you know, playing basketball is so hard because you know, the first couple of years of her life is when she learns really any and everything. So it's like Whoever she sees is who she gets used to, and she doesn't really see me a lot because obviously I live in Minnesota and everybody else lives in the Atlanta area. So like this quarantine was like my first time being able to really spend lots of time with her. And uh, it kind of hurt me when I got there because she didn't, she don't really recognize me. So when I try to pick her up, she won't let me pick her up. But like my brothers, my sister, my mom, my, my dad, she'll let them, she'll let them like pick them up with, without a thought. So I was like, okay, my goal for this quarantine before I start this next season is when I put my arms out, she got to let me pick her up. So we spent a lot of time. I used to force her. Like, I would just grab her, and she would cry. And I'm like, I don't care if you cry. You're going to, you're gonna, you know what I'm saying? You're going to be mine. So, But um, it took about three weeks, and then she, she really got accustomed to me, and then she wouldn't let me go. I didn't know it was a blessing and a curse. Now when I pick her up, if I put her down, she starts crying. So it's, it, it's bad. Like, I'll be on my phone. She'll... She'll come, um, put her head on my uh, on my shoulder, and look at my phone. It's 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 like the best. Like she's she's the best. She's starting to talk now. Like I got her a present for Christmas. She said thank you, Uncle Josh. It's the first time I ever heard her say my name, and it just and she'll tell her, like her dad like I want to go, Uncle Josh. I want to go, Uncle Josh. And then, I don't know what I did to her, but obviously I'm doing the right thing. That's awesome because aunts and uncles play a really big role in kids' lives. I have a couple of favorite aunts, too. And to this day, even as an adult, there's a bond. Right. So that's that's awesome. That'll that'll be part of her life. I hope so. You know, you'll be a part of her life. Yeah, and there'll be more, I'm sure. For sure. Um, I read about and saw pictures about your high school jersey retirement last year, Shiloh High School, Snellville, Georgia. And I loved what you said to the crowd there that you said this jersey is for everyone who played a role in my growth. Not only Josh the basketball player, but Josh the person. From where I came from to where I am now, I would not have ever thought any of this would be possible. That's a pretty incredible quote. I said that? Wow. It did sound pretty good. <laughs> but that is you reflecting on where you came from, who you are, your dreams, and then turning around, you're an NBA player, and then looking back and having that perspective. That's really incredible perspective, but it's also someone who's really grateful for having accomplished what you did. How do you think you have that perspective? I mean, I definitely have that perspective for my, for my background. Um, like in my life, I've had certain people who came in and played a big role, and they did a lot of stuff for me that they didn't have to. There's, there's there's a ton of people in my life who went above and beyond, and I don't and I don't even know why they did it. Like it was it was just certain things. Like like my best friend, who's my best friend till to, to, till today. Like his mom used to come pick me up every day for practice because my parents had to work. She didn't have to do that. You know what I'm saying? Uh, a lot of kids couldn't make it 
to practice and nobody ever, you know, really helped them the way that she helped me. So I, I used to always ask myself, you know, like, why, why, why did you help me? You know, there's a lot of times where, you know, I had certain coaches like on my AU team who would take me shopping like before school, um, before like the new school year. So I have like new clothes. So I won't be wearing like the clothes from the year before. And I'm used to be like, you know, I used to be so thankful because it's like I didn't I didn't do nothing to deserve that. You know what I'm saying? I didn't. It's not like I saved their life or did something for them. Like I couldn't do nothing for them. But they still say, you know what? You know, you know, I love you, but I'm going to do this for you. I don't need nothing in return till today. They still haven't, you know, asked me for nothing in return, which which makes me know that it's all from love. But like I just, you know, when I think back to those times now, it was like, wow, those certain people say if. You know, my best friend mom didn't take me to practice and I couldn't practice and I just stopped playing basketball. Who knows where I would be right now? Or, you know, right. like just just little things like that. I mean, to her, it was probably like, let me just let me, let me just help this help this kid who, who needs help. You know, but like for me, it was like, wow, like it made me appreciate basketball even more. Like without her, I couldn't even play. So when I get on this court, I'm going to play really hard to show not necessarily just hard because I want to play hard, but I'm not going to play bad because I need to show her that, you know, it means a lot to me. You know what I'm saying? And that's why I kind of just play hard all the time because when I was younger, like, like basketball was a privilege to play. It wasn't really something I just got up and, you know, had a chance to do. So that's just kind of why I'm just so appreciative and just play the way I do. Yeah, you have gratitude. And that's probably one of the reasons you made it as far as you did. 100%. Too. You, yeah. That's pretty cool because not a lot of people have – when you're in the middle of it, can really step back and have that perspective. That's awesome. And you know what? It's always fun to have a conversation with you. I wish I could see you in person, but we're getting there. Yeah, we're getting we'll there. We'll get there. Yeah, we're getting there. Thanks for your time today, Josh. No, thank you. It's been a pleasure.